on today's episode of the Real Foodology podcast. People wonder why they feel so confused when all of their food is touching so many different people. So if it's a vibrational, you know, food is a vibrational thing. So you have the farmer picking it, you have the the van, you have the packers, you have the people at the store, you have the people cooking it, you have so many different hands that touch our food. And you really can input your vibration in foods, people, people believe. And so there's so much about the way that we eat and how we can sort of manage our vibration. And you can look at it, like you can see it. The food in LA is just vibrating. It's like bright. It's colorful. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so, so, so deeply thankful for that. But it's hard to always choose something high vibrational for people. You know, it's it's not always that we have access to things like that. So, but I do believe it's true. Hi guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Real Foodology podcast. I am your host, Courtney Swan. I am the creator of Real Foodology, which is of course this podcast, as well as a food blog and an Instagram so if you don't follow me already, please find me on Instagram at Real Foodology. If you love this episode, please, please give us a five-star rating on your podcast app. If you have time, a review really helps. Or please give it a share on your social media or to your friends. It really, really helps me out. Thank you guys so much. On today's episode, I interview Krista and Lindsay of the Almost 30 podcast. If you have not checked out their podcast yet, I highly recommend it. I love these women so much. They are so magnetic and fun and just full of wisdom. I really wanted to bring them on today to show that everyone's health journey looks different. There's no textbook way to navigate this. There's a lot of trial and error to figure out what works best for you. And they share their food struggles, what they went through to find balance in their own lives. I found it very relatable, especially as a woman who has struggled in the past to find my own balance in all of this. It's a great reminder that we all have varying degrees of struggle with our health. I find it's helpful to hear other stories to remind us that we're not alone. Also, hopefully you can learn from our hardships and avoid them. We talk hormonal imbalances, health non-negotiables, their diet philosophies, and so much more. This was such a fun episode. And with that, let's get to a question and then we're going to get to the episode. Before I get to the question, I just have a little disclaimer. As always, these answers in this podcast are just for educational and informational purposes only. I am an integrative nutritionist, but I'm not a doctor. And I don't know you personally. I don't know what's going on in your body. So just know that this information on this podcast is not a sub for individual medical or mental health advice, and it doesn't constitute a provider-patient relationship. As always, talk to your doctor first. Today's question comes from Anna, and she asked, I suspect I might be dealing with hormonal imbalance. What would you suggest someone do if they think that they might have a hormonal imbalance? So I actually talked about this with the almost 30 gals because Krista admitted that she was having um, some hormonal stuff going on. So we got we dive into this a little bit about the saliva test, but I wanted to talk about um, all the different options you have if you think that you might be dealing with this. So, and first and foremost, Signs and symptoms of hormonal imbalance can look like a lot of different things. Fatigue, unexplained weight gain or loss, um, maybe an inability to lose weight no matter what you do, acne, PMS symptoms around the period, hot flashes. Now, this can be, depending on your age, this may just be normal. For example, if you are going into menopause, but if you are not anywhere near menopause, this is definitely something to look at as well. Hormone tests can help illuminate root causes of disorders such as premenstrual syndrome, which is PMS, infertility, and menstrual irregularities. So the first one I want to dive into is the Dutch test. This is considered the gold standard. It's the most accurate way to check all of your hormone levels. They measure estrogen and androgen metabolites, which gives a fuller picture for more precise clinical diagnosis of hormonal imbalances and hormone replacement monitoring as well. So they give so there's two different ones. And I talk about this one. Actually, I'm sorry. There are three different ones. There's a serum test that you can get. And then there's this Dutch test that I'm talking about, which is considered the gold standard. And then when you listen to this episode, you'll hear, we talk about the saliva test as well. And the reason why the Dutch test is considered the gold standard is because they do a 24 hour collection. Uh, the dried samples span about 12 to 14 hours of the day six to eight hours overnight plus two hours per day collection. And this represents the entire day's hormone production. But I will say the Dutch test is pretty expensive. So I generally like to send people first to do the serum test because that can gen that's generally hopefully covered by your insurance. 
And then the saliva test is pretty inexpensive. So there's a couple different ones you can do. There's one that's called the Hormone Trio from ZRT Laboratory. And this is just one morning's collection from your sal- of your saliva. So it kind of gives you a little snapshot into what's going on. And then there's another one called the Rhythm Hormone Test, which is a comprehensive assessment of estradiol, progesterone, and testosterone that spans a full 28 days. This hormonal test analyzes 11 saliva samples of a 28-day period. This is actually what I did, and I referenced this in the Almost 30, in this podcast, um, in this interview, where I did this for a full 28 days, and you take collections of your saliva at different time points, depending on the day, And then they'll give you a graph showing exactly what's going on in your body in a 28-day period, which is like a really great zoomed-out perspective of what's going on. So I'm going to link all of these different tests in the show notes so you can go and and look at them, check them out, see which is best. A lot of them you'll have to order through a practitioner, so you'll have to work with your doctor, but some of you some of them you don't have to. So this would be the first step to really starting to dive into and look at your hormones, and start figuring out what is going on. I do want to note for my male friends listening that this is also for you guys too because I think we often forget that men also have hormones. It's always a conversation around women and their hormones, but this is something that would be great for males to do as well. And you guys can also order these tests, um, and it's going to give you a snapshot into what is going on into your body and your body as well. We talk a lot about finding out what works best for you in this episode, and I know that that can sound daunting and hard to figure out, which is why I love Paragon Vitamins so much. Paragon makes it really easy to figure out exactly what vitamins your body needs specifically because following general health guidelines around supplementation don't and likely won't work for most people since we all have such different needs. What works for me is not going to work for you necessarily because I'm probably going to have different vitamin deficiencies and mineral deficiencies and just different things going on in my body compared to you. And the way that this works with Paragon is you send in a hair sample. It's just a tiny little clip of your hair and they send it to their lab and then they send you back data based on what is going on in your body specifically. They track any vitamin and mineral deficiencies, any metal toxicities, And they even tell you what your metabolic type is. And then from there, they suggest what vitamins to take based on what is going on in your body specifically. It's rooted in your own health data. So you only take supplements that you actually need. They gave me a code to share with you guys today, and you'll get 15% off the hair analysis test using code realfood15 at paragonvitamins.com. And with that, let's get to the episode. Yeah. So I was talking with Elisa Vidi about this recently and I love her approach so much because we really plan our, our whole lives around our cycle and not in this like, um, unattainable way, but you know, you kind of use that as your guide for what foods you eat Mm -hmm. and what exercises you do, because there's certain points in your cycle when you're going to have more energy and that's when you do the cardio and that kind of stuff. And then when you're in kind of a slower, more like relaxed stage, your body's working really hard. You want to do those like lower impact workouts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was, yeah, ever since we had that conversation with um, Elisa and read her book, changed everything. I was like, wow, I've been doing this wrong for so long. I've been forcing myself to work out, you know, around my period. And I was experiencing some like very intense menstrual symptoms. And yeah, when I when I got hip to, oh, during that week, I'm going to walk and stretch and do like yoga. Um, and then also just like diet as well. So a friend of mine, we kind of were talking about the Elisa conversation and she's also a nutritionist. She's like, think about it like the seasons. So you're, when you are on your period, that's kind of like winter. And it's like, you know, you hibernate and you want to be like alone and, um, you know, eating really like nourishing, kind of comforting foods, obviously as healthy as you can. But then that first week after, I have so much energy. I'm social. It feels like summer. It's like, okay, what are we going to do? And eating more, um, yeah, just kind of like lighter, more veggies and salads and things like that. Because usually the week of my period, I'm not. Was that last week? Any salads. 
Yeah, that was last week. That was my social week. I had a social week last week. She was so chill. (laughs) (laughs) I was really taking advantage. Um, (laughs) But yeah, it's just so interesting. And I I feel like not many women know about this. Thankfully, you know, Elise's message is getting out there, but it's so liberating. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh my God. Mm -hmm. When you recognize that all the testing was done on mostly males for a lot of these things like intermittent fasting, and I think Mm -hmm. Lindsay was doing intermittent fasting very very consistently and it ended up you know, mm-hmm. kind of not working for you yeah, during, during your period week. During my period, it felt, yeah, my my period symptoms were so intense when I was intermittent fasting. And I didn't really understand that connection until, um, yeah, I was reading uh, reading up on it and talking to a friend and she was just like, oh yeah, like when you wake up in the morning, especially when you have your period, like just being able to get that protein and and carbohydrates, like your body is working really hard. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't yeah. be like not fueling your body in the morning. So that's been helpful to, to yeah, eat Yeah, it seems like a though. trend with a lot of people. Like Jessica Seppel talks about working out less, like walking and not training as much. Elisa Vidi, um, a lot of people that we've had on, it's kind of an interesting trend where a lot of them suggest that people walk more, people do less impact workouts mm-hmm. and not do hit so much and not do strength so much. Because I think for a while, so many of us were doing hit all the time. We were really every just day. pushing it, especially when we were all doing cycling every day. It's like, that is really intense and it can be really damaging for your body. And I think the reason why it's so damaging is because people are doing it for not the right reasons. You know, not saying that every single person is doing that, but I think most people that are doing one or two soul cycle classes a day is probably doing it because they love it, but also they might be trying to offset what they ate or things like that. Yeah, exactly. And then, and then I think it kind of turns off that natural intuition that we have because we're just like, okay, no rest days. Because think about that kind of like exercise mentality. It's like no rest days. Go, go, go. Go to the gym even when you don't feel like it. Sometimes you may not feel like it because your body is literally telling you, I need you to slow down. We're working hard right now. Like we're mm-hmm. doing something. And that's what I love so much about this approach is that it really, it helps you tap back into your intuition and helps you learn to trust your body again and to listen to it, you know? And then like you were saying, when you have all that energy, that's when you go do the soul cycle classes, Mm -hmm. go for the runs, like do all the cardio. And then when you're in that other phase where you're just like, you know what, all I can really do today is go for a walk or like I can just like Mm -hmm. chill on my couch and Mm -hmm. that's totally fine. And that is you literally listening to your body and tuning into what it needs. Mm -hmm. Yes. So important. Yeah. I've definitely seen just a difference in like tuning into what my body needs has helped clear my skin, has like, I've just noticed inflammation decrease, like just little things where our bodies are so intelligent and also will send us messages when things are really out of balance. When I was working out way too much and then other things were happening, like my skin freaked out. You know, it was well, just a complete imbalance. Yeah. Sorry to interrupt you, but mm-hmm. you said too with your period, you were seeing symptoms. So I love this. I can't remember who said it. Maybe it is Elisa Vitti. Someone I listened to recently said that she sees your period as your monthly report card and it's really telling you what's going on in your body. And so if you're having all of these horrible PMS symptoms or you lost your period or it's really insanely heavy and it's not normal for you, that is your body literally telling you it's like a report card being like, hey, something's off balance. Mm -hmm. We got to like check in and figure that out. Yeah, it's interesting with PMS, you know, I didn't really even notice that, but PMS when you're having cramps or when you're really tired or when you're feeling irritable or you're feeling all these things, it actually is your body telling you something that you're deficient in iron or you need to rest more or you need mm-hmm. all these things. I just thought it was normal. Yeah. You know, and it, it part of it could be for people, but for me, feeling like I cried every single time before my period. I would just like have a meltdown about something before my period and then I'd have my period, I'd be like, Oh my God, he he like <laughs> actually we're not broken up, you know, like I would just completely turn. I'd be like, oh my God, that was whatever. And I realized that something was going on. And then also cramps. I had really bad cramps for a while. Not as bad as most people, but it was like, hmm, this is not as normal. And getting my diet and check more has really helped Mm -hmm. with things like that. And to the period point, I think growing up, we all wanted to avoid our periods. Oh yeah. I was on birth control for most of my life from 15 to 25. And I remember 
I would plan it around my trips and stuff. I'd be like, okay, I'm going to skip my period this week. I'm going to skip my period this time. Some even had the season eek where you'd get four periods a year. You'd get no periods. Like there's tons of birth control that doesn't have any periods. And feeling like that was, it's so funny how things happen is they plant everything that's like as liberation. They're like liberation, liberate yourself, liberate yourself Mm. by canceling your period. But it's like the actual true liberation is like letting your body do what it naturally is doing and not feeling ashamed about it. And so it's always just like very interesting what, um, how things are positioned in the media or Mm -hmm. pharmaceuticals, which is another conversation. But since really understanding my period more with Elisa, it's felt really good to like look forward to my period, Mm -hmm. like honor my period, feel grateful that I have a natural healthy cycle and feel good about my body working as it should be. Mm -hmm. Yes. And to your point earlier when you were saying that um, you were like crying and and then you got your period, I just think it's so funny that with women, I think we all do this where we're like, God, why do I feel so off? And like, mm-hmm. oh, what's going on with me? And then you start your period and you're like, oh my God, duh. Mm-hmm. It's like we forget every <laughs> month that we have this. Um, but yeah, I think this is why I love having these kind of conversations because I really want to empower women, women to embrace their bodies. Like this is a natural thing and it means that you're healthy and it means that your body is working and doing as nature intended. And like you said, yeah, there's just so much shame around it. And we're taught to like hate our periods and think they're gross and disgusting and we want to avoid them. And, but then it's painted in this picture of like liberation, like, yeah, just take this birth control and you just won't have it. And to me being fully empowered in my period is like knowing how my body works, knowing that when I'm on birth control, it actually shuts down my natural hormones and it's not even a real ovulation or period. That, that Mm -hmm. to me is so I know. I will say though too, like I, I I think there's actually tons of women that don't get regular periods. I think so much, so many people of our community since talking so much about hormones, don't get regular periods. And so obviously too, just like liberating those women that are on their own journey of, um, getting a regular period, you know, trying to get their body in sync naturally. Cause it's hard. Like it is really hard. not everyone has a regular period all the time. That's obviously the goal. So not shaming yourself if your report card doesn't come on time or isn't like as perfect as you want it to be. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, that's so beautiful. I'm glad that you brought that up. So let's get into, I want to hear both of your kind of individual health and wellness journeys. Mm. Where, where did you guys kind of start? Were you always interested in health and wellness and spirituality? And I just want to hear your journeys. Yeah. Where shall we start? Um, <laughs> I've always been kind of health conscious. I, growing up with two sisters and a mom, I had a brother and dad too, but I felt like my mom was always cooking really healthy meals. And we grew up during the time when it was like special K and, you know, like my mom was always like trying new things. Um, It was never like forced upon me, but I was just observing, you know, I observed my mom a lot. Um, And so I was, yeah, really health conscious. I was always super active. Um, And I think, you know, I'm, I think back to, mm, I'd say high school, um, I just had an awareness around what I was eating. Like before that in middle school, I would eat like a bagel and fries and some cream cheese and call it a day and feel like I was, you know, mm-hmm. rocking Yum. it. <laughs> and then in high Yum. school, I just had an awareness. I actually don't know where this came from. I don't know if it was because I like started to like boys and, you know, other girls were talking about it, but I was bringing like a, you know, a some pieces of lettuce for lunch and like, you know, an apple and this all sounds healthy and it is, but like altogether it was probably like 80 calories, you know what I mean? And just being very conscious of, of what I was eating. And I remember like having the same thing for breakfast every morning, the special K or the special K bar or whatever. So there was just like this awareness around it, not an obsession, but, um, something that I probably didn't need to be totally (laughs) like, aware of, um, at that age. Um, and then when I went to college, um, yeah, I just, I think that intensified, you know, it was the first time I was like really free, you know, I I have very strict parents. And when I went to college, I remember, um, because I was like eating a lot more and like ordering late night food and getting drunk and whatever, I was taking laxatives in the morning Mm. to just kind of like move everything through. And yeah, I got to the point where I was like, I'd be in class and I'd be like, okay, so I'm going to shit my pants. Mm-hmm. Like it just got to the point where you couldn't manage it, you know, and it was unhealthy, very unhealthy. Um, 
and yeah, throughout college, I think, you know, I, I just kind of would use drinking to kind of forget about any of those anxieties, you know? So, um, the laxative thing didn't become like an, a serious issue, but it was something that I was like, huh, okay. I have like this propensity to want to like control that part. Um, and then after college, yeah, I just moving to New York, it was like yet another arena of like just overwhelm and anxiety and trying to make it and trying to survive. And food was just one of those comforts. And um, I just noticed the cycle of like drinking, eating, and not paying attention to how I was nourishing my body, drinking, eating, drinking, eating. And by drinking, I mean alcohol. And um, yeah, and to, to kind of compensate, I would just like overwork out and not really pay attention to like what my body needed. So it was just that cycle of not really paying attention to what my body was telling me. Um, And honestly, it wasn't until um, I moved out to LA that I really had this like deep awareness of my body and the connection to my body. I think SoulCycle definitely brought that awareness to me just because I was using my body so much. Um, But also just like the circles that we're in out here in LA, there is like this conversation around health and wellness and what that really looks like. And, um, I was drinking less and I was feeling better and I just felt more in my body. I was doing, I was outside. I was just like feeling much more connected to myself. And I think, you know, in that, um, I just had like a deeper appreciation for, for what my body could do and what it had always been telling me. So, yeah, I mean, we talked about the soul cycle thing, but yeah, I taught soul cycle for a while and that, um, that was great, but also threw my body into like overdrive and adrenal fatigue and, um, constantly dehydrated and my skin was freaking out and, um, I was inflamed because I was just working out all the time. So after I quit soul cycle, I definitely noticed a change to my body. I was nervous to quit. Um, because I was like, what does it mean if I'm not teaching 15 classes a week? What will Mm -hmm. my body look like? How will that feel? And it was, it was great. It's exactly what my body needed was the rest. And, um, yeah, I feel, I feel really good today. I think, um, because of all that we learn on the podcast, I feel really lucky because I'm always learning about ways in which I can truly nourish my body. Um, so yeah kind of where I'm at now. That's amazing. I actually have a similar story as yours a little bit. I didn't do the laxatives and stuff, but when I was in college, (laughs) why not? Why not? Come on. You're sick. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I remember all my friends around me doing it and I don't know, there was just something I've always had this like innate thing where I'm just like, Oh, that doesn't, that doesn't sound right to me. (laughs) I love that. I I just put like a bunch of pellets in my hand and be like, Oh my God. I love that. Because you're like, I'm going to eat this. It will all be pooped yep, out. Exactly. Like, that's who your thought is. That's so, exactly. I totally, I mean, I totally understand. <laughs> Just get it out. Oh my God. That's Dude, really that's not how digestion works. Yeah, honestly. No, it sure isn't. Oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> but my thing was so when I went to college, so I, similar story, I had pretty strict parents. My mom always made everything from scratch. So I was really blessed that I grew up eating really healthy. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. And then I went to college and I was like, Ah, like Taco Bell, Mm -hmm. all the stuff I couldn't eat when I was in high school and then eating at the cafeteria and then, you know, the fourth meal thing when you're coming home at like 2 (laughs) a.m. like drunk, you know. And then I, you know, I woke up one day and was like, I am like 20 pounds heavier than I have ever been in my life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it wasn't even so, I mean, of course it was about the weight in the sense that I was like, none of my clothes fit. I don't feel good in my body. I'm super fatigued. And for me, it was always more about like, I don't feel good. Mm -hmm. But then I went down this path of, you know, doing the slim fast and just kind of following, you know, the special K, trying to eat that for a meal. And I tried that for a while, which eventually led me to where I am now because I was like, wait, hold on. Like, let's zoom out here. What, like, how is this like a hundred calorie chocolate milkshake providing any sort of nutrients for my body? Mm -hmm. This is insane. Um, and then it led me on, you know, to the path that I'm on now, but it's just interesting. Yeah. Super similar. So I think a lot of people can relate to the overworking out, like, you know, eating and then overworking out. I think Mm -hmm. that was like a huge, huge thing. Um, so for me, I think my health and wellness journey has been 
first with like a deep focus on the body and then eventually led to like more spirituality and the spiritual relationship of my mind, my body, and my soul and how grateful I am that this is like the vehicle for my spiritual experience in this life um, and not being ashamed of it wherever it is. But I grew up in a household that was... um, I had a sister and a mom and I had a dad and food was a big focus in a way that it was something that people were fearful of. Like it was kind of shameful. We kind of hid if we were eating or overeating and it was always uncomfortable at the dinner table. So I had this feeling around food that I didn't know how to describe, but I was definitely uncomfortable. Um, I felt judged if I ate or overate by my mom. And there was different situations that were happening that were just causing me to feel shame about eating or nourishing myself. So at a very young age, I learned to like disconnect from my body and not listen Mm -hmm. to what my body was telling me about what to eat or when to eat it. And I think I spent most of my life in that, you know, not trusting my body, whether it was working out all the time or taking diet pills or taking people's Adderall prescriptions. Mm. Um, I definitely have gone through a lot of phases of disordered eating and body dysmorphia and, um, you know, a really long, deep journey with with how I feel about myself and how I feel about how I look. And when I moved to Los Angeles after being in New York for two years, I was trying to be a soul cycle instructor. So I was working out all the time, probably eight or eight or nine times a week. Probably I would do two days every day. And then, you know, sometimes I would even do three, whatever I was like trying to do. I was taking diet pills at that time. I was taking pre-workout. I was just doing all the things to really get in shape for what I wanted to be when I wanted to be a soul cycle instructor. And when I moved to New York, my body just gave up. My adrenals were absolutely shot. I was so tired all the time. I was sleeping, falling asleep in the middle of my work day. Mm-hmm. Um, if I had any caffeine, I would feel so nauseous and sick. And um, my body just completely reacted. And I put on probably 20 pounds, uh, a lot of water weight and then um, other weight as well. But it was very, very quick. It was like within the period of a few weeks. Mm-hmm. And that led me eventually on my hormone, uh, balancing my hormones, because you know the adrenals are sort of part of that system where I was completely imbalanced with my estrogen progesterone levels. My testosterone was off. My cortisol was off because I had been using so much to work out so often. And then also because I was recreationally taking diet pills, people's prescriptions, and other drugs for a long time. And so I had to really just sort of make nice with my body and really just listen to it because it was screaming at me so much that I had to stop a lot of what I was doing in my life to pay attention. So for the next year or so, I healed my hormones naturally and and got them in balance. And um, ever since I've had hormone health issues off and on and Um, what I will say about my body is that I just try and be as neutral as possible. Just try and stay in my own lane, stay in my own journey with it. But I think, you know, Lindsay and I, when we have conversations with women on the pod, it's a very common theme. Even some of the most successful women in the world, we talked to Jamie Lynn Kerna of It Cosmetics yesterday, Mm -hmm. sold her company for $1.2 billion. And in the book, she talks about her body doubt. And how it's still the one thing that she can't figure out. Glennon Doyle talks about it. It's still the one thing she can't figure out. So for so many women, it's such a common thing that we have this like dialogue and conversation about our body and our and our um, how we feel about our body. And so I find solace in that. But then it also sort of breaks my heart that we're just so limited by our perception of how we look. Yeah. Wow. That was so powerful. Yeah. I mean, it's really sad because like you said, um, I've found in my own experience just with girlfriends that everyone has some mm-hmm. sort of story like this, you know, and, and a lot of people are still struggling with it. I mean, I, I, in a way, I feel like we'll probably all struggle to a certain extent just because of the way that society has conditioned mm-hmm. us, especially as women. We put so much focus on women's bodies and it's just like you said, it's heartbreaking and it makes me so sad because I feel like if we could just change that narrative to be more about feeling good in our bodies Mm -hmm. and, and really making nutrition and eating well. And, um, you know, and even like lifestyle changes, like just in general, taking care of your emotional and mental health as well, that plays such a huge role in all of this too. Um, and normalizing these conversations, like you said, you were having a hormonal imbalance. I've found that that is a lot of what women struggle with too. And they just have no idea, Mm -hmm. you know, so that can be part of it too. And it's just, yeah, it's hard. It's a struggle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The hormonal thing was something that we didn't know about until we talked about it on the pod. You know, we've had Elisa on two or three times and, um, 
we've talked about it quite often and I didn't know, I was like, I didn't know how it connected to, it was, you know, mm -hmm. I think when you grow up, you're like, weight is how much I eat, how much I work out, mm -hmm. which at a very simple, basic level, it could be considered that. It's like burn more calories than you eat. But then when you really dig into it, it's like, it's actually related to your adrenals, to mm -hmm. your hormones, to your thyroid, to how much you sleep, to how much water you drink. It's actually related to every system in the body, to how much you speak your truth, to how much you release yeah. your past. It's actually related to so many more systems in the body, which is liberating at some point, but then also can be challenging because you kind of have to figure out like a scavenger hunt of like what exactly it is that's causing you to feel like you're uncomfortable in your body for this reason or you have extra weight on for whatever reason. Yeah, exactly. Well, you think about it. I mean, it's as simple as like water retention, for example, is like part of like our hormones, you know, and it's why like when we get close to our period, you hold on to more water. So there's that aspect of it. Also, if your cortisol is really high, it can drive certain cravings. It can also cause your metabolism to go down. So I mean, you know, I have I have friends in the past that have struggled with where they were like barely eating and they were just gaining weight. And it was because her their hormones were so off balance that her metabolism metabolism wasn't working correctly. Mm -hmm. So there's so many different things that could be going on, you know, and it's and like you said, but it's mm -hmm. tough because you have to really um, you have to dedicate the time into really figuring out what exactly is going on. Mm -hmm. You know, it's hard. And was it blood work? That you got. I'm just trying to oh, think yes. of oh, yeah. like for people out there oh, yes. who, yes. you know, want to get that tested. So I got um, blood work tested firstly uh, with a company called Your Hormone Balance. And then um, there's also Everly Well, which mm -hmm. is, uh, you might work with them, but Everly Well also has a hormone test. And then I also did it recently with someone named Dr. Shirley in Beverly Hills. So she was an in-person clinic and that was blood work. So the first one was like a blood sample. The second one's a blood sample with Everly Well. And this was, was blood mm -hmm. as well. I think they I did urine and blood actually at this one. So I think they do both, but mm -hmm. um, I highly recommend people getting tested. And especially if you just had a baby or you want to have a baby, I think it's really smart to figure out sort of where you're at yes. because you're really going through a lot of different changes mm -hmm. at that time. But yeah. you can also start too by just kind of looking at your symptoms. Like, how are you feeling? Like, do you feel exhausted in the morning? Do you feel fatigue? Like, do you feel, you know, there's a lot of different symptoms that relate to different hormonal uh issues that mm -hmm. people can sort of get a general idea of what's going on. Um, that is also helpful. Yeah. And there's another one. Um, I can, I'm blanking on the, the name of the correct, the correct term for the test, but there's a spit test that you can also do, which mm -hmm. is considered to be a little bit more accurate because your hormones, oh, wow. they kind of go like this up and down, you know, throughout the day, like your cortisol mm -hmm. rises in the morning to wake you up. And then your melatonin, melatonin rises at night to mm -hmm. help you relax and go to sleep. And so with the blood work, you're getting a snapshot of what's going on in your body specifically at that moment mm -hmm. that you draw the blood. And I'm not discounting it. It's a great resource. But there's with the spit hormone test, um, depending on which one you do, there's like a seven day one. I did one that was 30 days back. Um, I mean, this was wow. probably like five years ago I now. Like we did a spit. Today. Yeah, maybe I did do spit. I don't did know. You? And it was hard. I mean, it is yeah. I'm like, hard. Yeah, honestly, I was thinking of Sour Patch Kids. I was like... <laughs> yeah, because you really you have to At get the end, like I was like hawking boogies yeah. in there. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, like filling like, it with water. I'm like, yeah, whatever. It's like thick as shit. <laughs> so glad I'm not alone. Filling it with Topo Chico. You're like, <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. yeah. But so it gives you more of a like um, a picture. It gives you a whole picture of what's really going on mm. day to day. Because one day you'll do it at like 7 a.m. Another day you'll collect it at you know Smart. 7 p.m. Sometime after you eat a meal, before you eat a meal, and cool. then they make a chart and they kind of are able to see where your hormones are going throughout oh, wow. the day, which is really cool. So oh, that's anyone amazing. Listening, yeah. I Do you know the company? I don't. I'll that's put it in not the show helpful. notes. I know. <laughs> For anyone listening, I'm going to tell you something that's actually not helpful because I don't know the name. So now you want it, but you Welcome can't Welcome to it. my world. I know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> It'll be in the show notes, fam. Well, there's a lot of different companies that do it too, yeah, to be fair. But yeah, I'll add a little link in the show notes or like I'll add a I'm like, you know, I want recording. that. I want to do a test over uh -huh. a month. Like, yeah. oh, I fucking hate blood tests. Blah. I know. Mm -hmm. I hate them too. I would rather I, do a live month rather. test yeah, than one prick. I mm -hmm. die. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. <laughs> I hate it. Um, okay. So I'm curious, do you, do you guys follow any sort of specific diet? And if you do, why? Mm -hmm. I do not. Um, I definitely uh, lean more towards like plant-based, but I do eat animal protein. Like last night I had some steak. Um, usually my body tells me. Like it's very weird. It's kind of, I, yeah, I don't know. I just crave it. Um, and I don't do dairy. Um, and I stay away from processed sugars. 
dairy for me was something that definitely um, affected my skin. It created more phlegm. So Mm -hmm. if I'm speaking on the podcast or I'm singing, it's just annoying. You're hawking and losing. Yeah, Yeah, your voice was all crazy. Yeah, my voice was Mm. wild. Um, And then I just really, I focus on, I have to focus on hydration because I'm not really naturally good at hydrating. So hydration and then just paying attention to alcohol intake. So I don't really drink that much. And when I do, I'm just really mindful of like, okay, have I eaten today? Have I hydrated? What type of alcohol is this? You know, is it going to keep me up, bring me down? Is there a lot of sugar in there? Just being like more, more aware. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Let's see. Mm -hmm. I am, I was, I started being vegetarian when I was, um, after doing every single diet under the sun, I became vegetarian when I was a junior in, in college. I read this book called Eating Animals by Jonathan Sanfower. Have you read? read? Yeah, that's actually what made me go vegetarian as well. It's it's it's, it's powerful. Powerful. Yeah. It's so powerful. I mean, it's so clear and powerful. Um, and so then vegetarian for I think 10 years or, or five years. And then I've been plant-based, like vegan for since I moved to LA six years ago. Wow. Just felt like intuitively it didn't make sense that I was doing certain things and then not others. So I wanted to be an integrity about that. And, um, I feel really good. I definitely don't think it's the most healthy diet for people, but for me from like a, uh, integrity perspective, it feels like the most aligned. So that's, that's sort of been what I do. I love that. That's super important. Yeah. And I'm, I mean, I'm, I just was curious kind of what you guys, how you ate, what your diets were, Mm -hmm. but for anyone listening, I'm a huge proponent for, um, listening to the experts, listening to people that you look up to and follow, but just use that as a guideline and then figure out what works best for you. Because ultimately, um, what works for me may not work for you and vice versa. And the goal here is to feel good in your body, you know, mm-hmm. have energy to get out throughout your day. And I mean, so for example, I was vegetarian for five years after mm-hmm. I read that book. And then I hit a point where I was like, I mean, I was craving meat so bad, but I was in this like space where I felt like I couldn't eat it because yeah. I was doing it for ethical reasons and I was mm-hmm. so concerned. And it got to a point where I was literally having dreams about meat. I woke up one morning air feeding myself chicken nuggets from like a dream. <laughs> for, I freaking love I had a friend that would like dream about chicken. <laughs> wow. She's like, I was dreaming about chicken. It wasn't okay. Yeah. It was, it hit a point where my mom was like, Courtney, oh. God, please eat meat. You're dreaming about it. And I was like, did your body like being a vegetarian? No. And that was the other thing is that my body was just screaming for it. Like mm. I, ha- I had such crazy hormonal imbalance. I had cystic acne all mm. up and down my face, which I was able to later look back on it and be like, wow, that happened when I went vegetarian mm. and then started clearing up as I started mm. incorporating meat into my life. And I was so fatigued. Um, I had no energy. I also like, I really, looking back now, I realized too that I've my um, sugar regulation was really off, like all out of whack. Cause I was just, I mean, I would eat a meal and then I would just be starving, like not even an hour later, you know? And that's just not from like a health standpoint, you want to get to a place where you can have a good hearty meal and let that sustain you with energy and where you're not just like ravenous an hour later, you know, and no shame if you're listening and, and you're dealing with that, this is not to like shame anyone if you're experiencing that. But the goal is to get to a place where you um, can eat a meal and then be energized from that. And then you don't feel like you just are chasing f- food yeah. all day. Yeah. I think you the know? sugar thing is, yeah. I think that's the key. Yes. Yeah. I'm not the best at it, but when I'm, when I'm good at it, I, I 100% am like, oh wow, I feel sane. Mm-hmm. I feel satiated. I feel yes. clear. Mm-hmm. I feel, I don't have cravings. Like for me, sugar maintenance or understanding of sugar is the biggest key for all things. I agree. It's crazy. I agree. I actually just released this week a two-part episode with a um, neuropathy surgeon. So he um, does amputations on diabetic patients. And oh my God, it's such a powerful episode. Or it's two parts because we talked for so long that I was like, we got to make this two parts. This is wild. Um, But he just talked about all of the things that he sees, the impact that sugar has on our body and how horrible it is it really is something I think that's to be, the real problem yeah it is <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean like oh they just always like skate around they're like mm-hmm. salt is the problem and they're mm-hmm. like oh it's actually fat 
Oh, yeah. It's actually just fucking sugar. Oh, it's sugar. Yep. There was actually a thing that came out um, a couple of years ago now. I think it was the New York Times that leaked it. But essentially, um, what sparked the low-fat movement was a study that was done by Harvard scientists in the 70s. And they found that it was sugar that's affecting our hearts. And um, the sugar industry got wind of it. And they essentially like had them skew the data and make it look as though it was actually fat. And then spur the low-fat movement. Wow. And we're wow. still we're still dealing with the ramifications of that today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah you got to look where the money is. Mm-hmm. You got to look where the big companies mm-hmm. are. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's not a theory. It's just truth. It's just true. You know? Yes. Yeah. So true. So I'm very curious to know, you guys talk so, to so many amazing people. You get so many experts on here and, you know, people have differing opinions about health and food and all that. How do you stay grounded in that, in that and kind of like wade through all the information and figure out how to apply it in your own life? Mm. It was hard for me for a little bit because mm-hmm. I kind of like to try new things, you know. Yeah. Um, I'm always down. But I have this thing just in life in general where I'm like, oh, I should be doing it more like that or I should be mm-hmm. doing it more like them. Like, And I wasn't trusting myself. But once I got that down, the trust in myself, it translated to trusting mm-hmm. my body and what it needed. And I was, um, I think I was, you know, I was plant-based for like mm-hmm. basically vegetarian for, I would say maybe four to six months or something like that. And I felt really good for some things. And then uh, like I got hit a point where um, like you, my body was just kind of craving an animal protein and I was low energy. And I did a session with our friend Kelly Levesque. She's and amazing. yeah, she's amazing. And yeah. I just had my blood work done. And um, yeah, she's like, I just, I feel like, you know, you're one of those people that really would benefit from incorporating more animal protein into your diet. Mm. Um, And so that really made a difference. And I realized that, oh, that feeling that I had where I was like craving this is real and true for me. And um, so I've really leaned into that. And yes, we're getting so much information on the day on the daily. And I'm, I'm happy to try things that really feel true. I, yeah. p- I pass on a lot of information we get because it doesn't feel true to me. And it's usually just a, like, it's a ping. It's just like, I feel it in my body where I'm like, oh, I'm curious about that. I'd love to try that. And like, my body will also tell me like, no, that's a hard no. <laughs> like, yeah. that, that's not for you. Um, but it's taken a lot of practice, a lot of practice because I, I didn't naturally trust myself. Mm. Mm. Wow. I can very much relate to that. And mm-hmm. I think that's so important for people listening. Um, learn how to trust yourself. And also don't be hard on yourself. It, I, I feel like only maybe in this last two years, I've gotten to that similar place where mm. for the longest time I was listening to all these experts and being like, oh my God, but this person is saying this thing, it must be true. And then like low key killing myself over trying to do, I mean, for example, keto, I was like, this is, I was just laughing to myself about that. <laughs> I was laughing. We had Jordan Younger on the other day and I was dying laughing. We were kind of doing keto at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> it's so not so, us. Uh, when did you do keto? I forget. Uh, it was like right when after my hormones, we oh, had just yeah. had been talking about, okay. Like I wasn't fucking like Keto, keto girl, keto, yeah. but I was trying my. You I were was like, peeing on stick. I would, yeah. I was like having coconut oil all the time. I was like fucking eating jars of peanut butter. I was like eating fucking full avocados in my shake. Like it was like just. I was like it, trying my best to be keto, and I was so. But it probably wasn't full keto. But it was so much fat. Oh my god! I was yeah. thinking about that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I probably put on tons of weight because my body did not need that much fat. Like, yeah, just in a in a real way, but. I think that was the one that I sort of got caught up in was doing that one. Cause that one was huge, especially here in LA. Everyone was doing still huge. Oh, it's still Still huge. huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, I'm like, what? Yeah, no. (laughs) Um, And it was hard to be plant-based keto. Like I was kind of doing my own little plant-based keto style. Um, But I think Kelly Levesque's advice of the Fab Four has been Mm -hmm. something that I've carried through a lot of our, our, um, a lot of our life. But now, you know, it's to the point where we've had so many people on 
talking about so many different things, it's helpful. But I think what I'm looking for in people that come on the show is more people that are aligned to like the spiritual aspect of eating rather mm. than like eat this, eat that. That's not interesting to me. And I don't yeah, think mm. it's interesting to the audience that we have now. Everyone can go look at what everyone else is eating. But I think conversations around the spiritual aspect of eating diet nutrition is more interesting. So Kimberly Schneider, you know, people like that, that we can talk to, um, have been probably the most impactful. I love that. Can we talk about that a little bit? Mm -hmm. I mean, um, I was actually at dinner with a friend last night and he was talking about this a little bit. He was like, yeah, just people don't understand. You need to focus on eating more high vibration foods so that you can live in a higher vibration. Mm -hmm. I was like, I love that so Mm -hmm. much. It's so, yeah. What was the one thing, um, I read this Ascension is like this weird blog, but this, this guy talks about it. He's like, people wonder why they feel so confused when all of their food is touching so many different people. Mm -hmm. So if it's a vibrational, you know, food is a vibrational thing. So you have the farmer picking it, you have the, the van, you have the packers, you have the people at the store, you have the people cooking it. You have so many different hands that touch our food and you really can input your vibration in foods. People, people believe. And so there's so much about the way that we eat and how we can sort of manage our vibration. And you can look at it, like you can see it. You know, when I'm back in Ohio, which is where I'm from, um, no shade, but I can tell the food. I'm like, yo, the food in LA is just vibrating. Mm -hmm. It's like bright, it's colorful. I'm so grateful for that. I'm so, so, so deeply thankful for that. But it's hard to always choose something high vibrational for people. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's not always that we have access to things like that. So, but I do believe it's true. Yeah. I hope we get to the point where people are being taught, hopefully for free, like how to grow their own food, you Mm -hmm. know, where, I mean, I know there are resources online and on YouTube and things like that, but it's such a powerful thing. Our friend Danica Bryce is doing that in her backyard in a big way. I'm like, wow. Um, But it's cool. It's like, wow, you can go outside and grab the lettuce for your salad and the beets and the mint and whatever. But yeah, there's definitely something to it. And then also like as we eat our food, mm-hmm. um, and I know Kristen and I have talked about this on the pod where, you know, I'm able to infuse my food with good intention. Mm-hmm. So if I'm going to have a piece of cake, I am super mindful of what am I putting into this piece of cake as I eat it? Is mm-hmm. it shame? Is it embarrassment? Is it what, I, you know, any negative emotion is going to affect how I metabolize that food and how mm. I process that food. Um, and I've been doing that for a couple years now where like if I have pasta, you know, like, and pasta is not bad, but I know like a bunch of carbs is going to make me feel the best. But I've noticed that like when I just look at it, I was like, wow, I made this and I made the pesto from scratch and I did this like, and I just am so, have so much more gratitude around it and, Mm -hmm. and gratitude for like nourishing my body and just having whole real foods. It definitely feels different when I'm digesting it. And just like how I look at myself afterwards too, you know, we have that kind of that body dysmorphia after we have a Mm-hmm. piece of cake and we're like oh god look at it there you know and yeah. it's and it's and it's really charging what we put in our body so i think we need to be mindful about that too oh yeah i think that's a huge component of it and also kind of back to your point that you made krista with i think about this a lot where you know the the way that we eat traditionally in this country now it's a lot of processed foods it's a lot of foods and packages and from a like more of a vibrational standpoint, it's like we've we're turning off our na- our body's innate intuition to follow foods that would provide nutrients for us because now you know they're gen- they're genetically engineered to be very craveable mm-hmm. and addictive. And then on top of that, then you add in the diet culture aspect where it's like okay. Um, you know, I don't do this anymore, but we've been conditioned as women to like track our calories. Mm-hmm. So then you're like, okay, I can only have 200 calories of this. If you're just like out foraging in nature, and I know this is not like relatable for people mm-hmm. in real life, but if you think about it from that aspect, you wouldn't be like, oh my God, okay, am I getting like 200 calories worth of vegetables or, you know, this meat or whatever? And mm-hmm. I think that is also another thing where it's turning off our body's natural intuition to just follow our cravings and listen to our body and what our body needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't listen to your body is really a um it's a lifelong pursuit. Yes. You know, cuz there's so many mm-hmm. things that tell us to not listen to our body. Mm-hmm. In if you have sexual trauma, yeah. you don't want to listen to your body. 
which, you know. Yeah, you um, want to leave your body. You want to leave your body. If you have other sorts of trauma, you want to leave your body. If you're uncomfortable, you want to leave your body. Being a human on this earth is uncomfortable. It's awkward. Mm -hmm. And so there's so many ways in which we want to leave our body. And so, I mean, I I look forward to the day when I'm like embodied 24-7, but I enjoy the times when I am because I'm not always. Yeah. I can very much relate Mm -hmm. to that. Yeah. Yeah. So what, to take a little bit of a pivot, um, what advice would you give to someone listening who's struggling to find their path, whether that be struggling with health struggles, career, love life, whatever it is? Um, Yeah. What kind of advice would you give them? Mm -hmm. I feel like you guys are very good at giving advice. <laughs> You'd be surprised. <laughs> we, we did this one podcast years ago, and it was like advice uh, to people, and I oh, we well. sucked at it. Because <laughs> yeah, like, but the questions were like the questions were like, should I masturbate in my mom's bed? <laughs> it was like they were. It was a wild fucking show, and I was so uncomfortable telling people what to do. Yeah, yeah. I don't because you're like. I can kind of see both sides. I can exactly. also I can also consider this other scenario. Yes. <laughs> I was like not I was not like spicy it's enough. So much responsibility. To yes. Advice. Well, you know, okay. Sucked. So then let me reframe that. No, it's no, a good I love one. the question. Oh, no, good. it's a great okay, question. Okay. The I'm questions like... were bad. <laughs> we're saying. <laughs> okay. um, I'm trying to. Maybe I should pick one. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, I'm I'm doing a a program called the Sacredness of Being Single and taking 80 women through. Um, six weeks of just kind of like delayering um, our programming and our experience around being in a relationship. Um, and I feel like a lot of people feel that pressure mm-hmm. to be in a relationship because it is incredible and beautiful when it's when it's right and aligned. Um, but we kind of miss out on that opportunity to build a relationship with ourselves. And we mm-hmm. hear it all the time, but I think like the other seems a little bit more um, familiar um, and comfortable. But with with anything, I feel like I've experienced in my life, especially around transitions, it's always that invitation to come back to myself. Mm. Like, how far have I walked from who I really am? And um, especially when it comes to relationships, I just feel like whether it's friendships, family, romantic relationships, um, if I am not also doing work on myself and making an effort and a practice to know myself better and communicate with the soul part of me, then those relationships suffer or they are completely misaligned because it's Mm -hmm. almost aligning with a part of me that I have yet to integrate or maybe I've been avoiding. So, um, I'm like forgetting the original question, but (laughs) I just, I just kind of picked up on like the, the relationship piece because, Yeah, I, I'm just seeing in these beautiful whole women this perceived missing piece to mm-hmm. them. And um, I just, it's really beautiful to see them kind of like lift up the veil and see themselves for the first time as just like a whole and complete person, even if they still have work to do, you know, and how yeah. that could be a beautiful part of a, a relationship down the road. So, yeah, any transition has always just kind of like woken me up to, huh, where have I not been willing to like get to know myself in that way? I can very much relate to that. Yeah. 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 And I think some people make the person the purpose. Yeah. Like finding mm-hmm. the person. Totally. You know, it's like their whole purpose is like to find a husband mm-hmm. or find someone else. So I think that's why sacredness is so important. Mm-hmm. You know, the sacredness program is so key. Um, what I say for people that are looking to find their purpose is, I think focusing first on your mindset is really helpful. So like your mental health, your wellness, and your mindset is going to be the most important. You know, I've never done any Tony Robbins Robbins programs, but in his like elite level programs, he focuses like for an entire few days on people's health and wellness routines. Because if you have a clear mind, if you're well rested, if you have energy, if you feel clarity, if you feel mentally well, then you're much more able to pursue with clarity, whatever it is that you want to pursue or be open from a vibrational level to receiving whatever purpose it is in your life. Mm. So I think when people are in the pursuit of health and wellness, are in the pursuit of mental health, are in the pursuit of like feeling really good about who they are, you will attract 
or be on the path to finding that thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so when people are doing self-care, it's also really important, but your, you know, your purpose will, will reveal itself to you when you are ready for it, when you are like done bullshitting yourself, when you're done lying to yourself, Mm -hmm. when you're actually being really honest with yourself, when you're trying a lot of different things, it's not something that just falls in people's laps for the most part. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting when you literally look at the body from a physical standpoint, there's a um, nerve called the vagus nerve that goes Mm -hmm. directly from your gut gut to your brain. Mm -hmm. And so there is a direct connection Mm -hmm. to your mental health Mm -hmm. with your gut and Mm -hmm. your digestion and Mm -hmm. what you're eating and what's going on in your body. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. I think depression is linked. There's some link Mm -hmm. of depression in your gut. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because 70% of your serotonin is made in your gut. Yes. And so if you have any sort of imbalance, whether that be with the microflora, which is like the environment of the good and bad bacteria in your gut, um, there's a lot of different things that could be going on. If you have inflammation, of course, your serotonin is not going to be, you know, as as productive. And there's absolutely a link. And this is not to say for anyone listening that that is like, you know, the end all be all, but it's something to look at Mm -hmm. for sure. Wow. That's fascinating. I know. How's dating going? (laughs) Good one. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) So as you were talking about that, I was like, you are speaking to me right now. Mm. Um, You know, it's been really hard. um, But at the same time, I actually, I feel like I got this almost like a little bit of like a download the other night where I was just washing my face, getting ready for bed. And I was like, you know what? I, for the last couple of years, have been single. I mean, I've, you know, casually dated here and there, but not anything serious. And I had this realization the other night where I was like, you know, had I been in a relationship the last couple of years, there are so many things that I have been running from in myself and not facing that had I been in a relationship, I would not be facing those Mm -hmm. things. And I didn't even realize that these are things that have been holding me back. These are things like trauma that I've just been really holding on to in my body, like very tightly that needed to be released and looked at and addressed and really like sat in too. And so it's forced me to slow down, um, get in touch with myself again and really like find myself in a way, you know, that I wouldn't have had I been in a relationship. And so it's been, and I was reflecting on this too. I was like, man, it has been so painful. It has been so hard and there has been so much self-doubt, but at the same time, it's been so beautiful too, which is like, kind of cheesy, but it's just true. I I really feel like I've um, been coming into myself and finding myself through that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, that is what is so, or what I found to be so attractive, you know, like where I felt a new sense of like attractiveness about myself when I got to that point where I was like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, I've done so much of this really deep work, you know, during this Mm -hmm. time and gotten to know myself better and, you know, just unearthed some things that had been like running subconsciously in everything that I did. And, um, I just, I think in doing that work, I took a lot of pride and it just gave me a lot more confidence. And I truly felt like the people that I was dating during that time and afterwards were feeling that. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of felt a yes. different type of attraction where it wasn't just like, oh, hot girl, this guy, you know, hot guy, yeah. you know, whatever we want to say. It's like, no, it was literally like a, um, an electricity where they felt, felt that work, mm-hmm. even if I hadn't told them. So, um, yes. Yeah. And, and on that note, I've found too, that I'm starting to become attracted to different people than I was before. Yeah. A different type of like, like caliber that. of man. Yeah. Where uh-huh. I, before I was like, I would have dismissed them. Um, I'm notorious for just finding shitheads. <laughs> hot shitheads? Really mm. hot shitheads. Lindsay, is, Lindsay knows a few. I know that. <laughs> she knows that vibe. I know that vibe. But yeah, you, you, it, it completely changes. Mm-hmm. I think about the people I dated. I'm like, ew. Yeah, dude. <laughs> ew. Huh? I'm like, what was I thinking? Yeah, it's crazy. And Mm -hmm. and I look back and I'm like, God, the things that I was putting up with back then that I thought was okay, not only thought was okay, but thought that like something was wrong with me. It was like, Mm -hmm. if I could just be better, do better, um, like change something in me, like they would love me and care about me. But like now I'm able to zoom out and I'm like, no, actually, well, one, I think this is the universe literally being like, no, girl, we're going to save you from this one. Um, And also just that 
now I'm realizing that those are traits in someone that I didn't, that I wouldn't even want anyway. So why am I like bending over backwards trying to get them to like me? And also in this time, I found too that the way that I was approaching dating for so long is that I would go in not even really knowing this person, not even really knowing if I liked them or not, but not even checking in with myself, just deciding like, oh, they're hot and they're cool and they're funny. So like I automatically have decided I liked them. And then I spent all my time and effort and thoughts into trying so hard to get them to like me and trying to be this version that I thought that they would like instead of actually just like being present in the moment, checking in and being like, wait, but do we have chemistry? Do I like you? So many women are like that where it's like, They'll date people and they're like, oh my God, he said he doesn't like me. I'm like, do you like him? Right, exactly. You know, like it's like, but do you want to date him? Like, no, I don't hear women ever be like, no, he's not, you know, not for me. Like that integrated, like, no, not for me. It's always like, oh my God, he doesn't like me. It's like, um, did you feel a connection? Yeah. You know, I feel, but it's, I mean, I relate to being wanting to be picked, wanting Mm -hmm. to be liked. I mean, who doesn't want people to like them? And especially like, I think, you know, in the dating scene, because it's so like, we could just see other people's lives so mm-hmm. much more now with social media and even on like dating apps, we're seeing things. And so it's just so much easier to like hop into that comparison loop of like, yeah, oh, but does he like girls like this? And like, mm-hmm. I see him like follow girls like this and like, maybe I'm not that enough or, you know, yes, exactly. so it can be really consuming. So then you try to put yourself into that box and and try to form, mold yourself into something that you think this person would like. But then if you actually get a relationship through that, actually, I have a girlfriend that experienced this. She, you know, landed the guy she wanted by putting on a show, pretending to, or not even pretending, but being this one facet of herself. And then fast forward, woke up one day and was like, I am not happy because I'm basically just putting on a performance the whole time. I'm not even mm-hmm. like being true to myself, my needs and my wants. And like this yeah. person doesn't even know the real me. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. That's a nightmare. That's mm-hmm. a nightmare. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, before we wrap this up, I want to know, or, and I'm sure the listeners want to know this too. You are both very busy women, but I know that you really prioritize your spiritual and wellness and, and um, health practices. What do you do every day to stay grounded? Maybe what are your health non-negotiables, which like, for example, for me, um, I get a walk-in every day. I make sure I get greens with one meal, um, things like that. Mm -hmm. Health non-negotiables. A few products that um, I love, Athletic Greens is one Mm -hmm. um, that I kind of pair with my bulletproof coffee. So I'm getting my greens, but then I'm also getting my little hit of caffeine and the fat in the bulletproof coffee is great for just slow absorption and Mm -hmm. making sure I don't get that like super caffeine zing. Um, And I just love the ritual of that. Beverages, man. I mean, Mm. they just, there's something about it. So every single morning. um, And then, yeah, I mean, I agree with the walking. I think ever since quarantine, I've really um, valued the walk and I try not to, if I bring my phone, it's just in my pocket and on airplane mode because I just really want to be present to what's happening around me. Mm -hmm. It feels really good to actually be looking where you're going and see flowers and people and just new houses or, you know, it's like kind of fun. It stimulates the brain. I can actually feel it happening. Whereas like if I'm on my phone and flipping through stories or whatever, it doesn't feel as expanded and open. So mm-hmm. I just love, I love that. Um, and yeah, I just, for winding down for the day, like making sure that I'm just being really mindful about that and actually allowing myself to wind down from the day. So whether that looks like a bath or I'm just like laying on my bed and reading a book, you know, this is even before dinner, just like kind of winding down from the work day by myself and just kind of coming back to, okay, like, I, I f- because I live in the place that we work, I'm tempted to like, well, I can just do work now and now and later. And you know what I mean? So it's like, yeah. okay, let's consciously wind down. And then I have so much more to give when I do mm. sit down and work or start the work the next day. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. I think my non-negotiables, um, I was just thinking about while I was thinking about how, when you really start to love yourself, it becomes part of like self-care just becomes like a non, like the whole self-care becomes mm-hmm. a non-negotiable and it's becomes part of your life where you're like, Oh, how can I treat myself today? Yeah. Like, like it's not a chore. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah. You're like, well, how can I really 
love my body today or how can I love my spirit today or whatever that is. Mm -hmm. I would say uh, meditation is mm -hmm. probably my biggest thing. I've been doing it two times a day lately because Justin's out of town so I can just rip on Joe Dispenza really loud at my apartment. Mm -hmm. And um, also journaling. In the morning, I have this journal. It's a wellness journal and it has uh, what's my intention for the day where I put um, I just put like actually what's my dream for the day. I'm like, what would be dope if this happened? And then I do my dream journal where I recap my dreams from the night before. And then I'll write down my self-care for the day. I'll write down my gratefuls and I'll write down just my goals. So it's nice that it really structures itself that way. I think you can just search wellness journal and you'll find it online. And then for supplements, magnesium is like my go-to. I love magnesium. I feel like it's so helpful for your nervous system. Mm -hmm. It's so helpful for staying regular. Um, Kimberly Snyder, Saluna, they have a really good one called Detoxy. And it helps like flush out toxins from your system that I really like and enjoy. And then um, I would say prayer probably. Prayer as like a way to connect with self, a way, way to connect with the world is something that I do almost all the time if I'm like walking around. If I'm in the car, I'm like praying. If I'm walking, I'm praying. Just like to use it as like a replacement for what would previously be negative self-talk or judgment yeah. talk mm -hmm. or question thoughts or anxiety thoughts. So I just try and replace that as much as I can with something that's positive. Mm, I love that so much. Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. um, before we go, please let everyone know where they can find you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can listen to Almost 30 anywhere you listen to podcasts um, and follow us on Instagram. We have some inspo, some things that will probably make you laugh on there. Um, yes. Almost 30 podcast. And then our new website, almost30.com, has all of our courses and programs, um, our merch, and we have your podcast pro. Yes. Yes. Your podcast pros for people that want to start podcasts or monetize podcasts. So we have courses and programs for that. And then um, we have YouTube and everything, but I'm at it's Krista on Instagram, ITS Krista. And I'm at Lindsay Simsek. And this Amazing. has been so much fun. So fun. Yeah. So fun. Thank Thanks you so much. Us. Thank you just for being such a bright light and positive influence in this world. Aww. It's really Aww. needed. Thank Aww, you. Thanks. That means yeah. a lot. All right, guys. We love you. <laughs> Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode of the Real Foodology Podcast. If you liked this episode, please leave a review in your podcast app to let me know. This is a resident media production produced by Drake Peterson and edited by Chris McCone. The theme song is called Heaven by the amazing singer Georgie, spelled with a J. Love you guys so much. See you next week.